Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles with you, in book form, phone form, tablet form, whatever form, will you open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter 12. I was four years old when my daddy was called to be the pastor of Shady Grove Baptist Church in Shake Rag, Georgia. There really is a place. Actually, there's two places called Shake Rag in Georgia. One of them's not far from Peachtree City. The other one is up uh, on the Forsyth and uh, Gwinnett County line. 1964, my dad was there from 1964 to 1969. In 1966, Shake Rag, Shady Crow Baptist Church, built a new sanctuary. And I can barely remember opening day in that new sanctuary. Place was packed. It probably seated about 100, jam-packed. It was small, but it was a God moment. That was 1966. I remember later on, my dad pastored a church called New Harmony Baptist Church. That's where I met my wife, Amanda. Her dad was a deacon there. He died on Tuesday before Christmas 2001. That was the worst, one of the worst years of our lives for a lot of reasons. In 1979, a tor- a, uh, not a tornado, but a, uh, a fire broke out in the, the mechanical room of New Harmony Baptist Church. We lived 11 miles away from the church, and I remember that uh, we were, we were uh, my dad and I were out on the front, our front porch of our house on Piney Grove Road in Cumming, Georgia, and we could see an orange glow in the distance. We had no idea what it was. 11 miles away, we could see that glow. And the phone rang, and my dad, my mom got it, and she called dad to the phone. And it was then that we found out that the orange glow we saw in the distance was the church where dad was pastor burning to the ground. And they built a new sanctuary. A man by the name of Bernice Collett. A man by the name of Bernice Collett. Collett and Collett construction rebuilt that that sanctuary and we moved into it on in 1981 I remember day one in New Harmony Baptist Church that was the second time in my life that I got to worship on day one in a brand new sanctuary when I was at Concord Baptist Church from 1987 to uh, 1998 our church voted to build a new sanctuary we didn't relocate that church already was blessed with 40 acres and so we built a sanctuary that adjoined the one that we were already in. And uh, I remember in 1990, when we worshiped in that building on day one. And so here I am with you, and I, I realized that, that what is happening here is the first time it's ever happened for some of us. This is the fourth day one in my life that I've had the blessing of sharing, experiencing, encountering. But I've never had the experience of sharing day one in a place like this with people like you 
in what has been the culmination of a full-blown relocation from a building that has been sacred and still is sacred to us and has been for almost 85 years to this building we're in. It's a first time for all of us. This is a day to remember. Exodus chapter 12 is also one of the most memorable days in biblical history, certainly in uh, Old Testament history. I want to I read it. Exodus chapter 12, we'll read the first 14 verses. Let me just set the table a minute. The children of Israel have been in Egypt for 430 years. A sizable portion of that time they have spent in slavery. And they couldn't save themselves. And God raised up a man, you know, Moses. And called Moses to go to Egypt and to free the people. He goes to Egypt after spending his first 40 years in Egypt, his next 40 years in the Arabian desert where he meets a wife. And he comes back in the third trimester of his life. And uh, you know the story that there were 10 different plagues that God inflicted on the people of Egypt trying to get Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. And after the first nine Uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart again and refused to let those people go. And now it's plague number 10. And this one will do the trick. It'll include the death of firstborn. It'll include smearing blood on doorsteps, doorposts. And here's what God said to Moses. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Isn't that incredible? Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night that they are to eat They are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt. I will strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate, a day to remember. For the generations to come, you will celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. 
Now, with your Bible still in your hand, that's the Old Testament. I want you to turn to the New Testament, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll read the first 13 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul writing to a very troubled church is going to reference Old Testament history. In fact, the history, part of the history that we just read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 Paul says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of this fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God wasn't pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did. And they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as a warning for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Look around you folks. Just look around you where you are. Look around you. Let this scene be engraved in your memory. This is a day to remember. This is a day that we'll be able to tell our children and our grandchildren, I was there when they had day one in the Worship Life Center at Palmetto Baptist Church. The Old Testament tells us in chapter 12 that the people of Israel were about to experience, they hadn't experienced it yet, but they were about to experience a day to remember. It was a day when God once and for all would send his death angel into the land of Egypt and and he was going to, to slaughter the firstborn of every household. This was major, it was serious, it was terrible. And he told the children of Israel, he said, now this is going to be a day for you to remember. And what I want you to do, I want you to kill a a male lamb without defect, unblemished. And I want you to take its blood and I want you to smear it on the door frames of your house. And when my death angel, when I come to Egypt, if I see the blood applied to your doorstep, I will pass over. That's where we get Passover. I will pass over you. And you will remember this. For generations and generations and generations to come. And if you skip forward about 1,400 years on Passover, our Lord Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. It was on Passover that same day that our Lord 
gave his life for us. This is a day to remember. And, and just as their day was a day to remember, our day is a day to remember for some of the same reasons. First off, I want you to note that this is a day to remember because of where we've been. Passover was to be for the Israelites a day to remember because of where they had been. For 430 years, they had been in Egypt. Much of that, they had been slaves. They had been under slave masters who treated them brutally. Passover was designed in part to remind them where they had been. This worship center, this place, this hallowed place needs to be a reminder to us as a church of where we've been. I remember, uh, I remember in late 2001 when our trustees, Frank Lambert, Merrill Jenkins, at that time uh, David Grubbs, and now Richard Munn is, is part of that trustee team. I remember when they first came to our church and they, they recommended that we purchase this land here where, where we are right now. Raise your hand if you remember that. You remember it back then? You remember what this piece of property looked like? I remember Miss Margaret Alford. I so wish she was here. I wish she could be here to experience this with us. Miss Margaret Alford told me one day, she said, she said, uh, of all the places that y'all could have looked at to purchase, why in the world did you, did you want to purchase that piece of property? It's junky. It's awful. You know what? She was exactly right. Miss Margaret was observant. She was exactly right. This place was junky. It was full of junk. There was a two-story house that at one time had been nice. We later sold that house for $5,000 to a company that spent $80,000 to move it to Mara. If you want to see it, you can go down down to Mara, Georgia, and see it from the interstate. It's abandoned down there, too. (laughs) It is. That's right. But it's pretty. But that house was there. At one time, it had been great, but it was was full of of, of people who, uh, they uh, they were in all kinds of things. They were. And, and junk was all around the property. And behind the house, there were like three sheds, and they were full of, 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 of old rusted lawnmowers and, and scrap metal and junk. And behind those, those uh, three sheds on the rest of this property, there were old, dilapidated, and no longer used storage uh, trailers. This place was a junk hole. Miss Margaret was right. That's a junk hole. She was right. And we all agreed with her. But let me tell you, here's what we did. We did what God does with you and you and you and me. He looked beyond the junk that we are and saw the potential that this place could be and that you could be. Look at this place. Who would have imagined that this place would be here from that piece of junk that it used to be? I remember, uh, I remember when that house was still there, uh, after, right after we purchased it, Merrill Jenkins and Bill Creel thought we ought to go check out the house. I said, well, I want to go with you. There were people living in this house. I don't know. I don't know how many people were here, but there was a bunch of people living in that house. There was all kinds of shady things going on in that house. And we walked in that house, and uh, it was kind of unannounced. And we walked in, and people scurried all over the place. 
I'm telling you, people went all over the place. And I remember we walked in the one room and in another room and back toward the back, there was a kitchen back there and people were just scampering. They were going out of every, they were going to windows, doors everywhere, you name it. And I walked in and I said, somebody's been smoking marijuana in here. I said, I can smell it. It was, it was thick. I remember a little bit later, after we got out of there, Merle Jenkins said to Bill, he said, Bill, I don't know what bothers me more, what concerns me more, that people were smoking marijuana in that house or that our pastor knew what it was when he smelled it. because of where we've been. Second, it's a day to remember because of what God is doing. Passover was a a day for the Israelites to remember because of what God was doing. He he was going to do some things for them that they could not do for themselves. He was providing an escape that they could not manufacture for themselves. And that escape that God provided them had three essential elements. I want you to notice this. It's not going to be on the slide, so you're going to have to remember it. See, if I put everything on the slide, y'all don't have to do anything, right? So here it is, three things. First of all, there was an unblemished lamb. What God did for them included an unblemished lamb that had to be slaughtered, an innocent male unblemished lamb. Second, there was the shedding of blood. And third, there was the application of that blood onto the door frames, Those three things, an unblemished lamb, the shedding of blood, the application of that blood to the door frames. This is a day to remember. Somebody said, this is a day to remember because of this building. No. Somebody said, this is a day to remember because of the big crowd that's here. Mm, Not entirely. More than anything else, folks, let me tell you, this is a day to remember because What God is doing in our midst includes three essential elements. Because see, God has always worked the same. What God is doing among us today includes the death of a lamb, an unblemished male, innocent lamb. His name is Jesus. It includes the shedding of blood, the blood Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. And it includes the application of that blood on the door frames of your life. Those three things. See, it hasn't changed. God is in the people business. He's in the people rescuing business. That's what he did way back in Egypt. That's what he did over in, in Israel. And that's what he's doing in Palmetto, Georgia. It is. Y'all pardon me. I'm getting used to this microphone. I'll get it. I'll get it. But let me just tell you something else. This is a day to remember because of what the forces of evil are also doing. Now, I hesitate to mention this, but I feel like I need to. There are three things that the Israelites did 
that ended up being their undoing. When God rescued them and he brought them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea that was parted and they walked across it as if on dry land, when they came out on the other side into the wilderness, there were three things they did that became their undoing. And here they are. First, they started worshiping idols. Second, they succumbed to immorality. Third, they grumbled. I want you to notice that. Three things amounted to their undoing. First, they worshiped idols. He said, well, that really doesn't apply to us. Nobody's thinking about putting together a golden calf. No, we're not. We're not. But listen very carefully to me. Listen very carefully. Are you looking up here? As you can tell, I'm an excited preacher. Baby, I've waited for this day for a long time, but let me tell you something I'm not going to do, and I don't want you to ever do it. Are you ready for this? Don't ever worship this building. This building, nor our old building, nor any future buildings will be worthy of worship. Don't worship a building. Worship the Lord that we lift our praise and lift our songs and lift our prayers and sermons up to. Worship the Lord, but don't worship the building. Some of you and your descendants are going to worship this building. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to live to be about 143. And when I'm 141, I have determined that at some point, maybe before I'm 141, this church is going to, I don't know, they're going to either outgrow this place and they, 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 may, they may need to build somewhere else or they may need to plant churches other places and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean they're going to have to step out of their comfort zone and somebody, somebody's going to call me. I'm going to be in a nursing home somewhere when I'm 141 years old and they're going to say, Brother Jimmy, you got to talk to these people. They're wanting to change everything down here. You were down here when we built that worship life center. You were down here when we relocated. You tell them, you tell them this is a sacred place and they better not move. You know what I'm going to tell them? Move. (laughs) Don't worship this building. You want to undo the excitement we've got right here? Just start worshiping this building. Second, they succumb to immorality. Church, I've been here before. You and I more than ever in our lifetime, I don't care how old you and I might be, young or old, you and I have got to watch our step. Because what happens is this. If you think that Satan and the forces of evil are happy about what's going on here, think again. Satan hates what we're doing here. And he's going to try to tear up as much as he can to rip away the heart of the excitement of Palmetto Baptist Church. He's going to do everything he can. And one of the things he will do is to get you and me to just chip away at our integrity. A little sin here, a little sin there, a few more sins here, a few more sins there, and Satan's going to say, hey, these things you're doing, they're not big things. And even if you hurt him, you're just going to hurt yourself. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to hurt yourself. It's going to be good. But if you do hurt yourself, you're not going to hurt anybody else. Let me tell you something I have found out, and I found out the hard way. Sin in my life affects the people I love the most. 
and it will tear a church up. Don't succumb to immorality. And then finally, they grumbled. They became negative, complaining about everything. They get over into the, to the wilderness, and they had, they had experienced all ten of those great miraculous plagues that God inflicted on Egypt. They had seen the Red Sea part and congeal into jello on both sides, and the land under it was dry, and they crossed over. They turned around and saw God turn that, that ocean, that sea, back onto the army of Pharaoh and destroy them. They saw all of these things, and yet they started complaining. You know how many times the average person complains in a day? I found this out this week. I I saw it on Google. It's got to be true. (laughs) The average person complains 29 times a day. I see some husbands looking at your wives saying, that ain't right. (laughs) You want to tear up what we're doing here? Just start letting negativity seep in. You see, the first thing that seeps in is not going to be idolatry. And it's not going to be immorality. Not of a sexual or murderous kind. It's going to be negativism. Oh, this doesn't look like a church. The lighting's too bright. The lighting's too dim. The sound's too loud. The sound's not loud enough. It's too contemporary. It's too traditional. It's too... I don't know. Point to me. Point to me. Point, everybody point to me. Point to me. I want you to say this. Let's assume I'm the complainer. And by the way, I can complain right there with the best of them. I want you to point at me and I want you to say, Jimmy. All of you aren't playing this game here. Come on. Point to me and say, Jimmy. Get over yourself. I want to say this to some, I don't know exactly how many I might be saying this to, but I'm saying this to you because I have been, as is the case of all the sins here, I have been guilty of this myself. So I'm going to say this to you. Some of you default to negativism. Some of you default to complaining and grumbling. I'm talking about if I said, all right, today Jesus Christ is paying us a visit to preach. Some of you wouldn't like it. Oh, gosh, he's got Jesus coming in there. (laughs) When God blesses people like he does Israel and like he has us, Satan and his forces work double time. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be alert and of a sober mind, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When God blesses a group of people as he has our church, ladies and gentlemen, 
He has great plans for us or he wouldn't be blessing us the way he has. But if we want to slam shut the fountains of blessing, then do one of these three things. Start worshiping this building and it'll slam or shut. Start thinking that you're so blessed, that we're so blessed, that we're that God will wink when we sin and it'll slam or shut. Start complaining about anything and everything. And my friend, I'm telling you, you talk about God slamming shut the fountains of blessing. He will. You say he won't do it. Do you know what happened to the generation of the Israelites who failed to trust God and started complaining in that wilderness? You you don't know what happened to them? They died there. Every single one of them who complained. They died there. They never saw the promised land. God doesn't take lightly our complaining. This is a day to remember. I want to thank you and the Lord for allowing me to be a part of it with you. This is awesome. Now, since we're talking about things that we've never done before or whatever, make sure this, that when you die, make sure that of the things you've never done before, make sure that one of them is not this. I never invited Jesus Christ into my heart. We are what we are as a church because we want to invite people into a saving relationship with Jesus. You take that apart and we're nothing. Having a relationship with Jesus is absolutely everything. By the way, I mentioned Shake Rag, Georgia, Shady Grove Baptist Church. It was Sunday night, first Sunday night in August, 1968. During an invitation and the first night of our revival, I went up for prayer and I gave my life to Christ. In that new building. It was my day to remember. Look around. Engrave this image on your heart. Because we are experiencing a day to remember. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. You have given us a day to remember. You have brought us here in this wonderful place. And I'm amazed, Lord, at how well everything has gone today. You must have blocked Satan out at the road. Well, Satan, you can't go. You got to stay on 29. (laughs) Because, Lord, things have gone awfully well. And I can't think, Lord, of a better conclusion to this service than for somebody to walk to this front and give their lives to Jesus. For someone who is without a church home to come and say, I want to be a part of this church, what God's doing here. For some of us who have been saved, we don't need to be saved again. We're already members of the church, but maybe we've got some idols. Maybe we've succumbed to some immorality. Maybe... 
We've let negativism rear its ugly head. And we just need to come in this brand new altar and get it all taken care of. May this be a day to remember, not just because this is our first worship service in this building, but because of what you're doing in each individual's life. In Jesus' name, amen.